Today, you get to meet Jason and learn how the skills he developed as a bartender in college easily transferred to HR the day he broke up a fight between two parents because one son was being held hostage because he can't have peanuts here. And this is where I joke around where bartending skills come into play because I was not the bouncer. I was the guy who was the talker. There was a problem, like, let's figure it out from a, before it gets the physical part. I'm Michelle Aronson, and welcome to True Stories at Work, where we discuss the best things about working in human resources, the people, the stories, and the things that happen at work that we didn't even know about, workplace confessions. I'm a recovering HR executive, certified coach, and business school professor who knows that the best stories happen at work. From heartbreaking to heartwarming, from hilarious to outrageous. Now, I help companies build better workforces by aligning values and actions to business strategy. Today, we explore the unique stories that happen when your customers are kids and their parents. At the end, you'll hear a workplace confession conversation about me with a coworker who wanted to share some of his favorite stories. This one involves his reaction when I share my personal profile from my disc assessment, and he laughs so hard that he cries for a very long time. So let's get started. Jason, thanks for being on the show. Super excited to have you as a guest. Excited to learn more about you. Can you tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what that was like? So I grew up in a suburb in northern New Jersey. You're going to laugh. They just passed a law in New Jersey saying that there's central New Jersey now. So growing up, there's always been this debate of North Jersey, South Jersey, Central Jersey. I'm a believer there's no such thing as Central Jersey. It's, it's a very um, unique place. Tell me a little bit about your current role, and then we're going to go way back. So what are you doing in the HR space today? So right now I'm the uh, vice president of HR. So I run our HR. We're in, we operate in 38 different states, and I have about 250, 260 employees. I'm responsible for. I want to go back to when you were a kid. What did you want to be when you grew up at that point? So for the longest time, I thought I'd be an engineer. Um, around nine, 10 years old, I wanted to be an attorney. I thought about that for a long time. So how did you leap into the human resources arena? I went to college actually as a computer science major, but um, was not my thing. And I went towards business. I had two jobs all through college. I worked as a bartender and I also worked in the movie theaters. And I ended up switching to a business major and working with people in the movie theaters and working with people at a bar, you learn a lot of life skills. And I took a liking to human resources because it was like, here you are, you can protect your company, but you can also make the employees culture and experience at work better. And that was kind of the driving force towards there. So I had a business major. I had a human resources uh, concentration with a minor in psychology. My first job after college was actually in sales. I worked for a large company in the United States, uh, 
food manufacturer. I had 50 stores, a retail grocery stores that I was responsible for with a staff of about 12 people under me. They were owned by one company when I was there, company sold, and all of a sudden, job gone. My mom had a business running. Of, we had a small preschool in the house that I grew up in that my mom ran. She wanted to expand this business and make it bigger. So she's like, come work for me. And I'm like, you can't afford me. And we came to an agreement at dinner. And she's like, I'll give you that and I'll throw in a car for you as well. So I'm like, okay. That's where my HR career story was right there. I love that story. And it also makes me a little sad. My dad was a CEO and I graduated in a recession and there were no jobs. And he had hired my brother for summer work and he wouldn't hire me. I was not a compliant child. So I'm sure every single aspect of me showing up at work and being insubordinate was not what he envisioned in his tightly controlled environment. But um, congratulations that your mom gave you your first Big shot. Well, it was an interesting uh, work environment. I'll put it that way. I believe it. We grew it from one small school and it became pretty big. And you know, that's where I started with HR, putting in policy, procedure. We had nothing. You want to make the experience well so people want to come to work each day. And, and the little things that you can do there, that just, it, you know, it, it makes the company better. Tell me a little bit about the scariest or riskiest thing you had to do. So I'm sitting in my office and I'm doing some work and I get a phone call from one of the teachers. You need to come to the room right now. So I hang up the phone. I walk down there and there's two parents yelling at each other inside the classroom. One parent had a child that's allergic to peanuts and the room was a peanut free room. And another dad decided as he was picking up his child, he was going to bring a chocolate peanut butter cup for his child. So the one dad whose child was peanut starts yelling at the other one. Now, mind you, both of these gentlemen were much bigger than me, both over six feet tall. And I knew them both pretty well. Their kids had been there for a while. So I walked in, I got in between them. They were standing like face to face. I just stepped in between. I said, all right, come on, we're going to go for a walk. And he's like, I'm not going anywhere. My son's being held hostage because he can't have peanuts here and like just really upset. So I said, come on, we're going to go for a walk. I get him to go outside with me. We take a walk down the hallway. We go outside. I said, I understand you're upset. You know, you're in a classroom full of two and a half year olds. May not be the best idea to have an argument in front of a bunch of two and a half year olds. And, and what if it turns into a, into a physical altercation? So he just looks at me. I'm like, you know, let's, let's. Let's take it down a notch here. So he says, well, you know, I just wanted my son to have a chocolate bar with peanuts. And I said, listen, I said, what were you doing? You were coming there to pick him up to go home. And he says, yep. I said, you couldn't wait three minutes to pack up the stuff and take your child and put him in the car and you go home. This is where I joke around where bartending skills come into play because I was not the bouncer. I was the guy who was the talker. There was a problem, like, let's figure it out from a, before it gets to the physical part. So um, we're outside talking. I said, finally, come on, let's go back inside. And he was pretty calm. We went for a walk. I said, are you good now? And he's like, yeah, I'm good. I said, okay, let's go for a walk back inside. So he walks in. I didn't even ask him to. He apologizes to the other dad. They end up start talking, shake hands. They apologize to the staff that was in the room. They both picked up their kids and walked out together. And 
you know, they leave and the teachers come over and they're like, oh my God, I thought, and I said, that's part of my job. And it, it, it's a management skill. So it's a good lesson for leaders and for management. Like you're the manager, you're the person in charge. Don't throw gasoline on a fire. Take it, and lower the fuel, lower the temperature of the situation, get it to a place where people can actually have a meaningful conversation versus yelling and screaming at each other. That, that was a big lesson from a human resources perspective, from an everything perspective. It was a, it's a lesson I still go back to quite a bit. I love it. I love how it was a, a hostage situation with a Reese's peanut butter cup involved. When you're saying that, I have this like a vision in my head of, about what's happening. And it also brings up a story. We had two executives who were senior level people and they were in the stairwell, which echoes and they were screaming at each other. And it was so loud that I ran into the stairwell thinking like somebody was getting thrown down the stairs. And I see these two executives in their suits just screaming. And I go, you guys, stop it. Everybody can hear you in the whole building. But it happens. It happens at work. There's always disagreements. And I love how you just very, very skillfully we're able to separate and sort of de-escalate that, that scenario. What's the funniest thing you had to handle in your career? I get a phone call. It was 6 a.m. from our COO. He says to me, we got a problem. And I said, okay, what's the problem? He goes, we had one of our workers show up this morning and the police came looking for him and he ran out of the building and leaped over the fence took off, they couldn't catch him on foot. Well, it turns out that the guy was a world-class runner. He's like, watch the video. I was like, all right. So I log in, I'm pulling up this video at 6.30 in the morning and my wife's like, what are you laughing at? And I'm like, because you wouldn't even believe it. There's like three police officers come up the stairs. This guy runs down the stairs, runs by him and just takes off. And the faces of the workers as this guy's just running by him and running out the door was hysterical. And the funniest part was I had I head out to that office and um, we come back, the police are there. And the police officer was laughing. He goes, I've been a police officer for 23 years. He goes, I've never seen anybody run that, run that fast. You know, now the COO is like, all right, what do we do about it? You know, we got to, we'll put them on a leave, you know, an unpaid leave for a little bit until this figures out. He never ended up coming back, but you know, it's just, everybody's stunned. Man, it was just, not, nobody was in any danger or anything. It was just, you know, he just ran away. Did you ever find out what he was running from? What was charge or situation? Well, he had a problem with his wife. It wasn't anything like physical. It was just, um, I forget what it was at that point, but he, she, she filed the complaint with the police and they were just looking for him. They weren't even like, he wasn't even being charged. They wanted to talk. <laughs> Which made it even worse. Because the police officer was like, he was, all we wanted to do was talk to him. He goes, he was not in trouble, nothing. So it's just, you know, and then they wanted our surveillance videos. They were looking at them and they're like, we'll use these for training at some point. I thought, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of, it was just a funny situation. Oh God. And of course, my mind runs to like, no pun intended. Why would he run so fast when they just want to talk to you? We have one camera that has audio like in the office and you can hear him like say goodbye and like just take off. I love it. I love a good video. And to be honest, in the workplace, there's a lot of videos. And when people are saying like, that wasn't me, I'm thinking, I saw you. Yeah. You know, a lot of the times when you're doing that, you already know the answers to the questions, right? So it's kind of like, 
you know, if I'm asking you that question, I know what's there and it's kind of funny. Uh, What is the hardest thing you had to do in your HR experience? Um, one of my hardest experiences, that was when I got, um, when I left working in the school after 20 years, there were people who worked there before I got there and had, were staying and had 20, 25 years. That was a hard walk away. It took a lot for me to, um, to do that. So that was a tough, uh, that was a tough day. That was one of the harder things I've had to do. Why did you leave? Was this because the company was sold and you had to, or what was the? No, we no, we no, we just decided we made a decision mm-hmm. to sell mm-hmm. the business at that point. Um, we we kind of reached a plateau where we had to either scale down. We were starting to get on the radar of the larger childcare providers, and so it was time to you know, it was a good time to exit from that industry. And um, twenty years of childcare takes a toll. We had a child care center in my company, and my boss said, I want you to take over the child care center. And I said, no. He goes, why not? And like handling the problems daily, you know, some kid got bitten, some kid, you know, there's all sorts of things that I did not want to handle. I love children. I just did not want to get all those calls because it is it's it's small untrained humans, which are maybe just as bad as large untrained humans. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's a, um, it's an interesting industry. Mm-hmm. It really is. And you know what though, the one thing I will tell you is the people who work at the schools are in it to work with the children. If there was a underprivileged child, the the staff would like bring extra clothes and mm-hmm. stick it in the bag. Like oh, accidentally they have extra clothes or they accidentally have some mm-hmm. extra diapers and, and things like that. You know, that's where you see the good mm-hmm. in a lot of things. Um, I also saw a lot of bad things, mm-hmm. but I also saw a lot of good. And things. it wouldn't be the children or the coworkers that would be keeping me away. You know, I've got a sex at work investigation going on and then a peanut butter yeah, exactly. cup Karen. The way I looked at it was, is it's, it's, it's human resources, right? but you're taking kids and throwing them into an HR. So instead of just having employees, now you're throwing kids into the oh, mix. Yeah. It's, it, it was kind of a juggling act. And it, it, um, it prepares you though for other conversations and for other things that come through your HR door. And um, you learn patience mm-hmm. from it. And you learn to be able to understand and relate to things that people say to you sometimes and understand. And it makes you step back in HR. Sometimes you're, we're quick to react to things and, I've really tried to bring a perspective of being proactive where how do we cut off an issue before it becomes an issue? And that's a philosophy I carry with me quite a bit. And trust me, on the day-to-day, trying to deal with day-to-day things and then trying to think strategically, it, it's a very hard balance there as well. What about the greatest ethical dilemma you have faced? The hardest struggle, and this is one that came up a lot, is... People were always like, I know somebody who could work at the school. I know they take care of my kids. They're going to be good. And it's balancing that relationship because the parents are paying for their children to come to the school and they're recommending somebody. And that came up a lot. And like, we had a couple of parents who we didn't want to hire who they wanted us. So they would like take their child somewhere else. And the first couple of times you're beating yourself up, like, should I have hired this person? And, you know, I look back and I'm like, no. You got to do what's right for the entire group. 
there'd be a discussion about why yes, why no. And I'm like, well, look at the can of worms that you're opening by doing that, of where that can go. And you know, I've seen it at companies where you where you have people related to each other working together. Mm-hmm. It's, it's It becomes a hard situation. We had to have rules that you could not work in the same department on the same shift. You couldn't report. We had a lot of employee referrals yeah. and we hired a lot of family members and it was um, awesome and awful at the same time because yeah. if everything was going well, it was great. But if you fire somebody's child, that A plus worker quickly gets hostile and not so happy yeah. about this this experience. So it, it can be difficult. Or if they get in a fight or they're not getting along at home, yeah. it comes to work too. So it's it plays out, I think, on multiple fronts. What you said about hiring a referral from somebody, I think that's relatable to yeah. so many HR professionals because everybody's got a great person they're recommending, everybody's family member or neighbor. And um, that's a tough one. You get used to it over time, but you forget how complicated it can get. What is your workplace pet peeve? People who are like late. Don't get me wrong. There's always things that come up. We're, we're people, right? So there's going to be things. But I think when someone's habitually late, it's kind of a, a push away yeah. for me. What does being late mean? A sign of disrespect in certain ways. You're either on time or you're late. <laughs> you're there 10 minutes early. You're still on time. You're not late. I think it's a good life skill. Although I have a friend who told me that it stresses her out when I show up on time because culturally that is not in her value system and that she would like it better if uh, I would come 20 minutes late. I said, why don't you just tell me a time 30 minutes later and then we can both feel good about it. That's funny. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you wanted to share? We had a school bus and we had after school kids. So the bus driver would pick up the after school kids and bring them back to our childcare center after school. So she's driving the kids back to the school. And the bus driver comes into my office laughing hysterically. And I'm like, what's so funny? And she goes, you don't even want to know. And I'm like, what happened? So she's like, she's like, are you sure you want to hear this? I'm like, okay. She goes, one of the little girls on the bus says to the bus driver, you want to know something? So she goes, yeah. She goes, my mommy has a hairy vagina. <laughs> the bus driver. The bus driver comes in. This is like an eight-year-old, seven or eight-year-old girl. And the bus driver tells me, she goes, Jason, she goes, now every time his mom comes, I'm not going to be able to think of anything else. And I said, oh, my God. Luckily, like, you know the parents. And the parent, this parent was the, one of the funniest parents. I said, she goes, I'm going to tell her when she comes. I said, that's fine. I said, the mom will think it's funny. And she she was laughing. She goes, she wasn't even embarrassed. She goes, oh my God. She goes, I cannot believe I said that, but she was laughing. But she, so like, funny. No, it funny. is really cute because kids say the darndest things. And honestly, they don't know any better. And um, that's a cute story. Any questions for me? I've enjoyed talking to you, Norman. I like this where you can kind of have a an open-ended conversation that's very, you know, back and forth. Yeah, I do like the the ability to connect with other HR professionals. So, um, all right. Well, thank you. I really was, enjoyed yes. this conversation. You're welcome. Thank you. We've all done something bad at work, but here's your chance to confess. From small wrongs like borrowing office supplies to simplify your back-to-school shopping or snacking on a co-worker's lunch, 
to the major workplace sins, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll type. Here is today's Conscious Clearing Confession. Today's workplace confession is from one of my favorite partners in crime, a leader I worked with who was always up for fun and willing to laugh at me or himself. So went into your office one day, sat down, and you said, hey, have you ever heard of a disc assessment? And I said, what are you talking about? No, this, this helps you understand more about yourself. Have you ever taken one of these? What was going through my mind though, on some of the questions were who in their right mind would ever divulge this type of information to anyone? And you said, well, I happen to have mine here. I completed it. And I thought, okay, I want to see what this lady is all about. And just perused the first couple pages. And the third page was what are you most and what are you least? One of them was most insubordinate, least compliant. And I just started laughing. I thought it was the funniest thing that someone could be so transparent and honest in your role. I couldn't stop laughing. I, I actually was crying. I was laughing so hard. I mean, I think you finally asked me to leave because I couldn't stop laughing so hard. And I think I did ask you for a copy of that, which you did not give to me. That's still to this day. I tend to think back on that story and it still makes me laugh, but I watched you throughout the years and I thought, yep, she was completely honest on that survey. Yep. I mean, at first it was funny because it is funny, but when you could not stop laughing after like four minutes and you were tearing, and I said, you're starting to hurt my feelings. Like at first it was a chuckle. It was like, yeah, that's who I am. But when you could not stop yourself from laughing at who I am, that's when I was like, wait, is there something wrong with me? Like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't somebody put that down? Part of the assessment is there is nothing wrong with your style. Everything is good, but it definitely made me second guess some of that. I know, but who is that honest? I, I think that that's, that's like- Who are you those... being, you should be honest with yourself. It was a self-assessment and nobody ever collected them and you don't get graded and we don't rank you. It's just your awareness of yourself at a point in time. I, I agree. That's a great story though. That I think that that was a turning point for me, because it, it was okay to be that honest, which I would say that 98% of the population never fills it out to that level. Well, they're not really doing themselves any favors. I would say that most people don't want to do themselves a favor by going that honest. They, they'd probably prefer to be blissfully unaware. Now clear your conscience by submitting your workplace confession at physicsatwork.com slash podcast. Yes, blissfully unaware. It's mostly a fatal flaw for leaders. Thank you to one of my former partners in crime for wanting to share this workplace confession and a painful story about me with the world. My disc style is an ID or a DI, depending on the day, 
and I'm a fearless and social change agent, not necessarily a leader known for quiet compliance. Well, that's all for today's episode of True Stories at Work. Thank you to Jason for joining me. Thank you for listening to the show. And if you work in HR and have a story to share, please visit my website, physicsatwork.com slash podcast to share your story, make an anonymous confession, or drop some wisdom for me to share with others. Stories are what people remember and how we connect. So please share yours with me. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for ways to create momentum and boost performance to achieve your organization's goals faster, Physics at Work can help you to define and refine your people strategy. Just reach out to me at physicsatwork.com or connect on LinkedIn because the same laws of physics that drive our universe also drive your workforce. Haiku for Jason. Jason keeps it real for kids, parents, and employees while remaining calm. <laughs>